Hello and welcome to the Perth Prem podcast. This is your host, Mike, and today I'm joined by Stephen from the Spurs fan channel, the Wicked Spursy podcast. How are you, Stephen? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No, absolutely. Good to hear and uh, obviously thanks for joining us today. So Stephen and I today are going to talk about uh, Tottenham's impressive start to the season, uh, Antonio Conte's influence, some of their transfer business, and of course, the upcoming North London derby, all from a Spurs fan's perspective. So uh, before we get into it, Stephen, um, a lot has been made of Tottenham's start to the season. Perhaps some pundits pundits may be saying, you know, Tottenham haven't been playing overly well, but you know, um, the most important thing is obviously the results. So uh, how have you assessed Tottenham's start to the season? I mean, I think that's a fairly spot-on assessment. We've won games that we haven't particularly performed well in, um, but that's the making of a strong team when you're not playing well and you're still getting the points you need. Um, I think, you know, there are obviously some growing pains. It's a new system for some of these newer guys in particular. Um and even some of the established players are starting to feel the wrath of uh, Conte's training regimen and, uh, you know, his tactics. So as we're working through those growing pains, you know, we're not going to see, you know, five, six, seven goals a game like we have maybe against uh, Southampton on the opening weekend. But um, we are going to see a, a bit more consistency than I think Spurs are used to seeing in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, one of the points I was going to touch on a little bit later on was I think Spurs have probably shown a little bit more resilience than they have in, in recent seasons. Um, the Wolves game stands out for me. I mean, I'm a Manchester City fan, but um, just watching that game there, you know, I don't think they played, you know, awfully, you know, I don't think they played well. Um, but, you know, they got the result and that's all that matters. And especially come the back end of the season, that's where it's really going to count. Um, and obviously, you know, it's their best start to the season since 2016-2017, where they obviously finished runners-up to Chelsea. So um, I guess the question is now, do you think Spurs can maintain that over the course of a season to keep up with the likes of your Man City's, um, Liverpool's, maybe not so much this season, but... Yeah, I think this is going to be a tricky situation. If it was a normal year, I'd say, yeah, we probably have the ability to do it. But I think having the uh, World Cup interrupting the season in a couple of months here is going to throw a massive wrench into not just Spurs season, but most of these clubs. And I think this is where you're going to see um, depth is going to matter and when you've got a club like Manchester City where you could field, you know, a, a starting 11 of your B team uh, and still be competitive uh, towards that title challenge, it's not going to go so well when your B team for a team like Spurs uh, hasn't completely bought into uh, Conte's tactics. Um, we've seen in a couple of games this season, he seems reluctant to go to the bench at times. Uh, and he's even said some of these guys, you know, they're not quite picking up what he needs them to be doing uh, as fast as he'd like them to be. So it all depends on whether or not some of these uh, players uh, like Basuma, for example, if they can start to click within his system and pick up some of the slack, uh, then maybe we can maintain this level. But I think with a lot of these guys going to the World Cup, it's going to disrupt the season. It's going to disrupt the team and, you know, for the guys that may not be going, maybe it's the opportunity to pick up on uh, some of his tactics, some of his, um, you know, ideas. But if they don't, I think we could be in a little bit of trouble because it's going to be an, ex I mean, we've got what, two or three games a week 
all the way up through the world cup. Then you've got major competition. Then you're coming back and it's, you know, no rest right back to it. It's going to be brutal for our starting 11. Um, and we really need some of these other fringe players to pick up the slack. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, speaking of depth and, and fringe players, I think that's one thing Tottenham have done pretty well. And we'll touch on the transfer business a bit later on. But um, I think, you know, Spurs have added that depth that they probably haven't had in recent seasons. But, you know, I think it's a really hard one to call with the World Cup because it's quite unprecedented in the sense that, you know, you don't usually have it mid-season. So we don't really know just yet how, you know, Spurs and let alone any other team are going to react um, to that and how the players are going to come back as well. And I suppose... For the likes of, say, Harry Kane um, and a couple of other English players there, it just depends how long their teams or their countries go into the tournament. So there's so many factors, and it will be really interesting to see how that all pans out. Um, so, yeah, speaking of the manager, because, you know, Antonio Conte is obviously a known winner. Um, quite a, you know, got quite a good CV, doesn't he? So um, how have you assessed his impact? He obviously came in early last season after Nuno's relatively short spell. Yeah, he's, I mean, I, I absolutely love the guy. Uh, I think he's doing all the things that we as fans wanted uh, from a manager. You know, he's got this strict regimen that he's pushed on his players. He doesn't really take any of that, uh, you know, we we call it like that prima donna nonsense that you might see with somebody like Tangi and Dombele. Um, You know, you either break your back for his team or you don't play. That's the end of story. Um and, you know, there have been times, especially this season, where we've been a little critical of maybe his team selections and, and what he's been doing. But like we talked about, he's been getting the results. So even when he does things that seem a little bit questionable, they tend to work out for him. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, you hear some of these players, uh, Kulisevsky in particular has given a few interviews since the start of the season where he's talked about how, you know, the guys would run through a wall for him, you know, the way that he speaks, it just fills you with, uh, you know, that, that passion to, to get out there and do the best that you can be. Um, it's an incredible thing to have a manager who can inspire, uh, the entire squad in that way. Even the guys who aren't playing, uh, who have been sitting on the bench, he, even they're saying, you know, I just got to get up to his level. I got to, you know, do what, what the manager wants me to do. Um, Conte himself had uh, apologized to Kulisevsky for constantly keeping him on the bench despite his uh, start to the season. And, you know, I just think that shows he understands the players very well and the players understand what, um, you know, he expects from them, whether or not they can achieve that is up to them. Um, you know, I've talked about Basuma, uh, you know, not quite being able to handle the defensive side of his tactics, but, that's not an unknown. He said, you know, Basuma, I need you to do this. That's what they're going to work on. That's what he's going to keep pushing for. And when it does click, when it does fall into place, he's going to get his opportunities and then it's just taking him. Right. Um, he's an incredible step up from, especially coming from a Nuno Espirito Santo, um, it, huge transformation. I, I absolutely love the guy. Everything he says is, exactly what we as Spurs fans would would want from our manager. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, getting that squad harmony right and, you know, having everybody on the same page, on the same wavelength as well. Um, keeping players happy, that's going to be a big thing. I mean, 
looking at my own team, that that seems to be the biggest thing. You know, we've obviously got a big squad and trying to keep everyone happy. It's not going to be easy. And I suppose um, having clear roles and expectations and and yeah, obviously if the players are willing to run through a brick wall for for the manager, then you know certainly doing the right thing as well. And you know you have to say it hasn't always been plain sailing, especially since Pochettino uh, left the club and even the back end of his reign as well. So uh, I think Spurs have definitely got got the right manager in charge as well. So. Um, you know, speaking of that and success and, and what you're going to do in the next couple of seasons, how important is it that he does win some silverware in the next couple of seasons? Is that realistic or? You know, he's sort of tempered expectations saying it's going to take another two or three transfer windows to be truly competitive. And I, I'd agree with that. You know, there are still some weaknesses within our squad. Um, you know, I'm thinking right wing back in particular. Emerson has done a serviceable job at best. Um, but he's not exactly, you know, lighting the league aflame with his performances. You know, he's got his own uh, issues. Doherty is still working his way back from uh, injury. He was performing pretty well at the end of last season before he did pick up that that knock. Um, but even then, he's not exactly like that high caliber um, long-term right wing back that you would want. So there are positions in the squad that we definitely need to reinforce um, so I, I would agree that we're probably a few windows out from, from that truly competitive, uh, mindset, but that said, I don't see why we couldn't win something in the next year or two, um, as long as, you know, the squad continues to perform at this consistent level. Um, you know, every single team goes through a rough patch in the season and if you hit it just right, um, depending on where you are in a specific cup competition, you might get somebody on their off week or, um, you know, somebody who's not going through quite a good spell. That's when you can capitalize. That's when you can push. It's all about consistency. Um, and what we've seen so far, it does look like Spurs are going to be pretty consistent, um, even if they're not playing at their best. So I, I think there's a likelihood. I'm not expecting it this season. Um, I think maybe next season, if Conte uh, sticks around as is expected, we'll probably have a better chance um, at any kind of silverware, even if it's just, you know, like a Carabao Cup or something like that. Um, but I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think we can make a couple of deep cup runs and, you know, remain competitive in that top four uh, of the league. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be terribly upset if we don't get anything this season. But next season, I'd be a little bit more... Uh, Interested to see if we could fill that cabinet. Well, touching on that, I mean, you've, you mentioned the word uh, consistency as well. I think obviously you need a little bit of luck as well to yep. go your way. Like you say, you could just catch a, a team on their off day as well. Um, and I think as well, it's just probably about keeping that squad together for as long as you can and, and trying to retain the players. And like you say, the longer that Antonio Conte is there, the longer he has to build a squad. And you've seen that he can do that at other clubs as well. Um, you mentioned sort of this season, you wouldn't be too bothered whether you, you won silverware, um, maybe a, a deep cut run, you know, what's a successful season for Spurs this season? I mean, I think if we can find another top four finish that doesn't involve going down to the last day of the season, I think that's probably a realistic goal. A couple of deep cup runs for sure. Um, but for me, the key for this season um, is just hitting that level that Conte wants and understanding that there are still those, like I said, those weaknesses in the squad that need to be addressed. Um, if he can get some of these guys playing in a way that is serviceable, 
um, to the point where they could be, you know, decent rotation options, um, you know, after we bring somebody new in, then I think we've got a good shot. But I'm just targeting another top four finish, um, a much more comfortable top four finish. uh, And I think I'd be happy with that. Um, As long as we don't go crashing out of every competition, you know, game week one, (laughs) I think I'd be happy. (laughs) Uh, all right. So I think it's a pretty good segue, though, into the next section. So the transfer business. So um, before we do that, anyway, so looking at your front three. So on one of our more recent podcasts, um, we spoke about Spurs' front three. So obviously, you've got Son, Kane, Kulusevsky, um, and perhaps being, you know, one of the better front threes in the league. Where do you rank them? Yeah, I would agree. I think they're probably up there for sure. Um, first, second, third. I don't think they're. You know, part of me wants to say, yeah, they're the best easily, but I think that that's highly dependent on everybody performing at their best level, which I don't think we've seen just yet, um, which could be worrying for other teams that, you know, not everybody across that front three has kind of been at their peak. Um, but based on the start to the season, I easy top three in the league without question. Um, I think City's probably got the best right now. Um you could argue that perhaps Arsenal's is up there um, with how they've been performing. I am a little hesitant to to say that simply because the competition for them hasn't quite been there. Um, you know, they haven't exactly been playing your cities, Chelsea's, Liverpool's. You know, if they can get, you know, we've got the Derby coming up. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Um, if they can fire on all cylinders in a high stakes competition like that, then maybe I'd, you know, bend and, and say that they're top three. But uh, definitely City, probably Spurs right behind them. And I think maybe you could argue at this point, Arsenal. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think, you know, you could say Spurs have, have been there and done it, especially those players. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, Kulisewski's only just come in. Um, but for me as well, Harry Kane's looking really good this season. Um, you know, obviously last season, like a lot of English players came back off the Euros pretty fatigued and had a slow start, obviously had that transfer saga with Manchester City as well, um, whether that, you know, had an impact, but he's looking really good and he's only behind Haaland at the moment. So good start for him. Sun started slow, um, but obviously scored the hat-trick last game as well, which is, which is a pretty good one. I must say I watched that. So, um, let's have a look at some of the guys who have come in. So, you spoke about uh, the weaknesses already, so right wing back, but you have signed a right wing back. So you've got uh, Jed Spence, obviously Basuma, Perisic, uh, Longley. There's obviously um, Udigi as well, but he's gone back on loan to Udinese. And there's a couple of mores, but a couple of more, but there's you know these are the more notable ones. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on the transfer dealings? I mean, I said I think Spurs have probably added the depth. Uh, name I just missed there was Richarlison. Um, you know, Daniel Levy's tend to come under a little bit of stick at times, but I think they've done good business. What are your thoughts? No, I think it's been a fantastic bit of business. Um, you know, they're not signing players for the sake of signing players. Everything that they've done has been calculated. Um, you know, there's been some question marks about whether Jed Spence is somebody that Conte even wanted, but, uh, you know, he said in the, in the summer that he gave the green light. He didn't, you know, have any complaints, but it wasn't somebody that he himself had suggested. It was somebody that the club had brought to him. Um, I think he's got the the possibility to be like a Sessegnon where in a couple of years, he'll probably start to look 
the part, um, but he's definitely not a short-term signing. That's for sure. He's a bit more traditional Spurs business, somebody for the future, um, you know, that they can hopefully grow and improve. Uh, Udoji, I'm super excited to see what he can do. He's been performing really well uh, for Udinese um, so far this season. I mean, top, I think he was ranked top 10 in the, uh, in Serie A, uh, for the season so far with his performances. I, I Another young guy, I'm still in shock that we were able to pick him up over, you know, like a Juventus um, or something like that. But for the guys that are actually there, I mean, Richarlison, when it, it's, it's funny to talk about when we were linked with him, I was totally against the idea. I, I didn't like him as a player. I thought he spent too much time on the ground and, you know, he would just blow over with a breeze. Um, but he is the sort of guy when he's on your team, you just can't help but love him. Um, and, you know, a lot of Everton fans have, have said that of him as well. Yeah, he he still could work on staying on his feet a bit more. Um, but the stuff that he does, the way he plays, the way he gives every little bit of him to the team is nothing short of inspirational. I mean, if, if I'm a young guy and I'm, you know, excited to be playing soccer for the first time or football or however you want to call it. Um, and I see a guy like that, like that's my role model. That's the guy I want to emulate somebody who just lays it all out there. He gives it all for, you know, the, the badge on the shirt. He is truly a great addition of the squad and it does help, uh, alleviate some of the pressure that some of the other guys, you know, we mentioned Sun's slow start to the season, um, being able to bring Richarlison on for Sun and then kind of give Sun that swift kick uh, to to get him that hat trick in the last game. I think that was um, very clever of Conte, uh, but it, it, it does. It, it offers up a different option. It lets players like Kulisevsky rest. Even Kane uh, could take a breather with Richarlison available. Um Basuma, another one where if he settles in, I think he offers uh, a lot of help to our midfield pairing. Um, you know, Skip and Basuma in particular could be a great rotation option for Hoiberg and Bentenker. Uh, Longley, I think, is a, a underrated addition for sure. Um, a lot of guys that I was seeing on, on Spurs social media were kind of writing it off like, you know, that's not the the sexy option that we want, but he steps in and he offers exactly what Conte needs a, a nice passer of the ball out of the back three. Um, you know, he's a smart player. He, he understands what he's doing. He got a little bit of slack for, you know, a lapse in form uh, at, at Barcelona, but you know, he's got the skill set. He's got everything he needs to be successful. Um, and I think Barcelona saw that in just not flat out selling him to us or offering that option. Um, but, you know, great, great get. Perisic, another one who, even as, you know, a 34-year-old player in a position that demands a lot of you physically, he's still giving it all. His his crossing ability, his set pieces are just immaculate. And the advice that he's been giving to a player like Sessegnon, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that pay off already when Sess does get to play. You can see that he's making some of these, um, you know, subtle tweaks to his game. And, you know, when asked about it, he's crediting Conte and, and Perisic as, you know, helping him understand what he needs to be doing a little bit better. So I think everybody, even Forster, you know, as a, a goalkeeper, um, you know, he's not coming in to start. He's not taking Hugo's spot at all. 
but he's another leader in the team that is comfortable just saying, you know what, I, I'm going to be that rotation player, um, but I'm also going to help support the team. Um, we've seen him, you know, on the bench going over to, you know, sit with Sonny after he's been uh, substituted off. He just seems like the kind of guy who's um, just instilling this, this camaraderie within the team, uh, even as a new signing, just getting in there, blending in with all the players and, and really elevating everybody to that level that you would want the team chemistry i think with these signings has just been incredible um i've had no issues with with any of them really um i'd like to see jed spence play a little bit more but again i'm trusting conte i he's not given me any uh reason to to not think he's doing what he needs to be doing to get the best out of his players yeah, and um, just touching on, obviously, Jed Spencer as well. I don't know if you saw it. It looked like he played pretty well for the England under-21s um, the other day. So be interesting to see how many more opportunities he gets. He obviously did pretty well um, for Notts Forest last season in the championship as well. And um, it looks like a really exciting player. And obviously, that, that spot could be up for grabs. Like you say, Emerson Royale, maybe not that world-class right-back or right-wing-back, rather, that you need. So... I think Spurs have done good business, and I heard you uh, mention the word calculated. I think that's where a lot of teams go wrong, especially when they're trying to break in the top four and, and maybe remain there consistently. Um, I mean, I'm looking at Manchester United, for example. Um, you know, not just sort of splashing the cash, spending it in the right areas. And like you say, I think a lot of these signings have probably complemented the team um, and just added to it, really. And like you say, you've got some depth options there, which we, we said earlier is obviously going to be beneficial come the back end of the season, especially when it comes to the crunch. So um, it was good to get your thoughts there. So let's talk about the big one, because this will be a really interesting game on the weekend, um, the North London derby. So just having a look at the recent results between the two teams, uh, Spurs have the edge, winning three of the last five, I believe. So how are you feeling about the game this weekend? Relatively confident, confident anything you're worried about? Look, I'll tell you right off the bat, if if you're speaking to any Spurs fan and they feel com- confident in any game that we play, they have not been a Spurs fan for very long. Um, you know, we could be playing bottom of the league squad who's conceded, you know, 40 goals in five games. And I would still think, well, they've probably got a shot at beating us. Um, such is the long-term Spurs fan curse. Uh, but no, I mean, in all seriousness, I think this is probably the biggest challenge, um, that we've had so far. I mean, Chelsea wasn't a great game, but we, it's one we should have won based on their form. Um, but this is one where the team we're playing is in good form. Um, so, and of course these games are always explosive. There's going to be a lot of, uh, passion from both sets of players to try to get that win. Um, but I, like I said, I'm, I'm curious to see how Arsenal lines up. It's, it's in my opinion, their first really difficult fixture of the season. Um, whereas Spurs have already, you know, like I said, they've, they've played Chelsea. Um, they've had arguably a, a little bit more difficult, uh, of a start, than Arsenal has, I think this is where we see what level both teams are at, right? If Spurs can dominate them, I think it shows that, you know, some of these early struggles and hiccups have are starting to pay off. If Arsenal come in and they remain competitive, I think that you can say, you know, they're not so much of having a fluke 
to their start of the season. They've actually earned it. Um, for me, I think it's going to be a battle, a, a defensive battle. I think both sets of offensive players are going to cause a lot of headaches. It's going to be who can keep the level head in the back line for the longest period of time. Uh, and for me, I think Spurs have the edge there. Um, especially if Romero plays over uh, Devinson Sanchez, if he's in that lineup, Dyer is consistent. It doesn't really make a difference for me if it's Davies or Longley in that left back, left center back spot. Um, but I think Spurs have the edge um, in defensive, you know, solidarity across that back line. Um, Arsenal, I think, you know, I, I've only caught a couple of their games this season, but they've been a little bit more prone to lapses at the back uh, that just haven't been punished really. So, you know, yeah, I think it's going to be a battle of the uh, defensive players. And I think Spurs have the edge on it. That said, I, it, it is a big worry to me. I think that this could be a game where, um, you know, Spurs could lose. Um, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think there's going to be a draw. I'll say that one team is going to be victorious in this game. Um, I think Spurs have the edge, like I said, defensively. Um, But if we can't capitalize, you know, Sun has got his hat trick, but he has been in poor form. Kane, great player, always dangerous. Whether it's Richarlison or Kulisevsky partnering uh, those two up front, they're going to offer something. If we can capitalize on on the defensive errors on Arsenal, I think we'll be fine. But, you know, we also have to be cognizant of what they can do as well. Uh, Odegaard's a a fantastic player. Uh, Gabriel Jesus has been on fire so far. Um, The only thing I think working in our advantage is his uh, track record against Spurs has not (laughs) been great. Um, I can very vividly remember... um, the champions league fixture we had against uh, Manchester city where he thought he won it. Uh, and then VAR took that away from him. And like the, the just distraught look on his face was like forever etched in my mind. Um, but that's just something that, that happens with that, with Jesus. I'm sure you're aware as well, you know, yep. when he's performing well, brilliant player, great to watch. But as soon as he starts you know, missing some of those goals or not getting the service, or maybe he's being uh, muscled a bit too much by the defense. He does have a tendency to sort of clam up and, um, you know, go cold for a while. So if we can keep him shut out, I think we've nullified a lot of the danger, but uh, you know, if I had to call it right now, I think probably a two, one Spurs win is, is reasonable. Um, But not to the point where I would bet anything on it for sure. (laughs) Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, me as well with Manchester derbies, I'm, I'm never confident. I'm never going to say Man City's going to win it comprehensively, even with, um, you know, Manchester United over the last couple of years. I think you meant, you know, you mentioned Jesus there as well. Yeah, do know him well. That Spurs game um, in the Champions League still stings pretty badly. Um, some some bad memories there. I'm um, just looking at the opposition as well. I mean, Arsenal have got quite a few injuries. Uh, Zinchenko, another former Man City player, he's out. Um, Kieran Tini's out. I mean, I don't know. He's he's always out. So um, <laughs> Thomas Partey out as well. Again, another one. He's always out. So a couple of big misses for them. Um, and then looking at Spurs as well, it says Hugo Lloris. I don't know if you've heard anything about this, but it says he's doubtful for the game. So but that would mean a Fraser Forster debut um, in the North London derby. So a big game to come into the side. What 
What are your thoughts on that? Is he is Larissa doubt or is he, he likely to? He's a doubt. Um, he picked up a knock, I guess. Um, didn't travel with the, the French squad. He might be in it, but what we've seen with Conte so far is he's not willing to risk his players for, you know, a short-term game. You know, if, if this was the last game of the season and top four was, you know, on the line, I think maybe he would risk Hugo. But, I mean, Forster, I feel like his last game uh, for Southampton was against Arsenal, and he was just absolutely dominant. So uh, he hasn't really played too much for Spurs, but I like him as a player. I think he's a, he's a, a smart guy. He's, he's talented. Um, you know, he's not a world-class goalkeeper by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, again, he's a serviceable rotation option. I think he could sit in there and as long as the, uh, you know, three center backs protect him, which I, I feel like they probably will do a decent job. I think it would be a mostly quiet uh, game for him. You know, he might have, maybe two or three uh, efforts that he'll have to stop. But uh, one of the things that we've seen from Conte's team so far is they're limiting opposition to really poor expected goals, Um, you know, speculative efforts from outside the box, really difficult ones, um, poor angles. I mean, even if they're getting shots off, they're not quality opportunities for the most part. Uh, So I think we'll do a decent job protecting him. I like him better than if it was Galini who might have to sit in there, then I would think we were in trouble. But uh, now with Forster, you know, whether it's Hugo or whether it's a uh, Frazier Forster, I think we'll probably be okay uh, in the goalie spot, especially with how our defense has been playing this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you say, I mean, he's got Premier League experience as well, and, and that that's what's going to count. So, now, look, I think that should be a really, really good game. So, you said Spurs 2-1, not confidently, though. But, no, I think it'll be interesting to see how it pans out, especially because, you know, like you say, maybe Arsenal haven't really had a test yet. I mean, they, they lost to Manchester, you know, which you could say is probably, um, you know, their first real test. Um, but we don't really know where Manchester United are at right now as well. And, you know, for Spurs, I think it would be a good test as well to see where they're at. And I think these are the sort of games that they need to to try win. But, you know, obviously with derbies, it can go either way. And it it's, sometimes can be irrespective of form and, and, you know, where both teams are on the table. So um, I think we'll wrap it up here, Stephen. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we finish up? No, nothing I can think of. Um, really looking forward to you know the derby and really to see what else Conte can can do with this team. You know he's he's an incredible manager. Um, absolutely love having him on the squad. Um, and I will say, you know, as a City fan, I'm a little disappointed we didn't get to see the uh, marquee Kane versus Holland uh, <laughs> when you know we might have. But uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that fixture too when it does get rescheduled. Yeah, I mean, in some ways, I'm kind of glad it, it didn't go ahead because you'll know better than anyone else that, you know, Manchester City, for some reason, just can't turn up against Spurs and um, you always seem to beat us, which is, which is a bit of a funny one, but, um, you know, a bit of our bogey side. So um, thanks for coming on today, Stephen. Um, where can our listeners find your podcast? Uh, we are on just about any platform you could find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Podbean, you know, you name it, we're on there. No, awesome. Okay, then. So, as always, thanks for listening to the Perth De La Prem podcast. Don't forget to check out all of our social media, social media channels and like and subscribe to these. So, you can find all of the links on our social media in one place on Linktree, Link 
tr.ee forward slash Perth de la Prem or on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, TikTok and YouTube, all on the same handle, Perth de la Prem, one word. So until next time, make sure you send in your questions on the hashtag DM de la Prem.